my name is Anesti Almasri. I'm the current PGY2 pharmacy resident in solid organ transplant at the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Pharmacy. I completed my PGY1 at Michigan Medicine and received my PharmD from UIC as well. Thank you for listening in as I talk about a recent article by Swice and colleagues titled Single Center Evaluation of Safety and Efficacy of Glucagon-like Peptide 1 Receptor Agonists in Solid Organ Transplantation, which was recently published in December of 2022 in Progress in Transplantation. I'm really excited to discuss this article with you all because over the past few years, there have been several random, randomized controlled trials for GLP-1 receptor agonists, but we have very little data in solid organ transplant population. Just to discuss some background information, these agents are agonists of human GLP-1 receptor, and they exert their main effect by affecting main effect by stimulating glucose-dependent insulin release from pancreatic islet cells, decreasing glucagon release, inhibition of apoptosis of beta cells, and they also stimulate beta cell proliferation. Through these mechanisms, we see a reduction in A1C of about 0.8 to 1.6%. These agents have also been shown to decrease weight and do so by decreasing appetite and slowing gastric emptying. Landmark trials, including Rewind, Leader, and Sustain 6, have shown that dulaglutide, liraglutide, and semaglutide, respectively, have shown a reduction in cardiovascular events in patients with type 2 diabetes and who are at higher cardiovascular risk. These agents, of course, do not come without side effects. They do have a black box warning for thyroid C-cell tumors that was found in rats, so they are contraindicated in patients with a personal or family history of medullary thyroid carcinoma or multiple endocrine neoplasia syndrome type 2. The most common adverse reactions for these patients are nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, and abdominal pain, Many patients may experience gastroparesis, and pancreatitis was reported in clinical trials. These agents are quite appealing for our patients, as they provide glycemic control, cardiovascular protection, and a weight loss benefit. Now that we've discussed some of the background information for GLP-1 receptor agonists, let's get into the trial. This is a single-center retrospective trial and the purpose of this trial was to assess the safety and efficacy of GLP-1 receptor agonists in a larger cohort of solid organ transplant recipients with type 2 diabetes mellitus. This trial included adult solid organ transplant recipients with pre-existing type 2 diabetes or post-transplant diabetes. They had to be maintained on a GLP-1 receptor agonist for at least three months and had to have a hemoglobin A1C level drawn between 3 and 12 months after GLP-1 receptor agonist initiation. A total of 118 patients were included in this trial, with the majority of these patients being kidney transplant recipients followed by liver transplant recipients. Patients were maintained on liraglutide, dulaglutide, semaglutide, and exenatide.
over 90% of patients were maintained on tacrolimus and mycophenolic acid, and about 76% were maintained on prednisone. These patients were initiated on a GLP-1 receptor agonist farther from the transplant at an average at a median about two and a half, greater than two and a half years. 73% of patients included in this trial were of Hispanic race. The baseline median EGFR was 55, and baseline A1C was about 8%. Looking at the primary outcome, we saw uh, this trial found a significant reduction in hemoglobin A1C and fasting blood glucose. And this was looking at the time of initiation of a GLP-1 receptor agonist to their 3 to 12 month nadir. They found a median reduction of A1C of about 0.8%, which is consistent with the general population, and a reduction in fasting blood glucose of 20 milligrams per deciliter. This trial also found a significant reduction in body weight with an average reduction of 0.2 kilograms, which is a quite modest reduction. They also found a significant reduction in BMI as well. This trial found for that these patients, there was a significant improvement of EGFR of five mils per minute per meter squared. However, there was no significant reduction in total daily dose of insulin requirements. Jumping into safety data, 12 patients experienced nausea and vomiting, 4 patients experienced diarrhea, 5 patients developed pancreatitis, and 9 patients reported having at least one hypoglycemic event. 9 patients ultimately discontinued the agent. However, only 2 patients had to discontinue due to nausea or vomiting. This study was limited in that it did have short-term follow-up, the safety data relied on provider documentation as this trial was retrospective in nature. One of the major limitations of this trial was that it did lack a comparator group. Another limitation is while the study did include lung transplant recipients, the majority of patients were kidney transplant recipients, so there still is a lack of data in our thoracic transplant recipients on the use of GLP-1 receptor agonists. One major limitation of this trial is that they did not comment on the dosage of the GLP-1 receptor agonists. GLP-1 receptor agonists are typically started at a lower dose in order to reduce GI symptoms. However, this lower dose does not provide effective glycemic control. And it's unclear whether patients were maintained on this initial dosing an adequate dose to affect glycemic control or the max dose, and whether that would have effect on our primary and safety outcomes as well. Overall, the study found that similar to the general population with GLP-1 receptor agonists, we see a reduction in A1C and weight and found modest adverse events in the solid organ transplant population. Overall, we still do need long-term data on solid organ transplant recipients maintained on GLP-1 receptor agonists 
in order to determine their cardiovascular benefit, their long-term weight loss benefit, as well as their role in kidney disease development and progression. This trial is very promising though, and really I think paves the way for us to start using these agents more and really get that benefit for our patients. Switching gears, I did want to share an interesting experience from my residency so far. This past month, I completed a rotation on our transplant nephrology consult service, which provides care for all our kidney transplant recipients that are currently hospitalized. So with this rotation, I was able to provide care to patients who are much farther out from their transplant. At our center, we often transition our patients from a CNI-based regimen to a bilatisep-based regimen. And this past month, I saw many unique side effects, unfortunately, of our bilatisept, including unique infections for our patients maintained on bilatisept. I wanted to highlight two interesting cases that I was able to see this month. One patient was a patient maintained on bilatisept who had persistently positive norovirus, and she presented to the hospital with nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, as she was not able to keep anything down, which resulted in an AKI, as well as electrolyte imbalances. This was despite a reduced dose of her myfortic. We were able to treat her with oral immune globulin, which in itself was a very unique treatment option to me. And looking into dosage as well as how to give this agent was a really unique experience. We were also able to send donor-specific antibodies for this patient, which were negative, so we felt comfortable holding her myfortic for a short period of time so that she'd be able to more effectively clear this immunosuppression this uh, infection with a lower dose of immunosuppression. In the meantime, we did send for a TPMT enzyme to see if she did have persistent nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, despite clearing norovirus, if she was able to, if switching to azathioprine would be an appropriate option for her. One other interesting infectious case that I was able to see this month was a patient maintained on bilatisept who was admitted with and found to have CMV viremia as well as disease, was found to have CMV pneumonitis. So I'm interested to see what other complications we may see with bilatisept moving forward as we use it more often and have longer term outcomes, and if the benefit of bilatisept really will outweigh the risks that come with it. Thank you guys for listening in. I hope we were all able to get something out of this. And I'd love to talk about GLP-1 receptor agonist use with you guys. Um, And if your centers do it, I would love to hear more about it. You can contact me at aelmas2 at uic.edu. Hope you guys have a great day.